of the Lord. We're, we're going to hold off our reading of text here in just a second until we're going to read a few passages along the way. And, and I appreciate so much. And, you know, we could have easily dedicated this morning to our missions team and the excitement and the zeal that they would bring back in their hearts. I do want to tag because I was specifically asked to do so uh, from Alyssa last night as she and I and Sherry talked. But, you know, I, I shared with this Wednesday night, JoJo, that it was our, your missions team trip to the Dream Center in Atlanta long years ago that put the spark in her heart to want to serve in the capacity that she's in now. And she's certainly, you know, on staff at the Angelus Temple, which is a sister to the Dream Center. And they are taking 157 inner city uh, children uh, and youth to youth camp to tonight, today. It starts today. And she asked specifically, she said, because these are children that you literally have to shake down before you bring them with you. She said, this is not checking for lice and checking for things of that nature. This is checking for narcotics. This is checking for weapons, things of that nature. So, um, you know, missions is a part of who we are. And we're just grateful for people that have served. We look forward. You know, I won't be able to say any more about it till the phone tree this afternoon. We look forward to honoring our students uh, who went and made this journey by coming and giving them the support that they, they deserve tonight. Amen. So I encourage you to come out. Today, I'm going to be ministering a message entitled, Why I Believe in God's Healing Covenant. Now, if you've not been with us the latter couple of weeks, last week I preached about the God of hope. I believe in hope, don't you? I believe with God all things are possible. Uh, I preached with brokenness because when, when we, we lose people that we love, uh, sometimes related to sickness, there's, there's a hurt that's created there. And it, I could easily be intimidated about preaching about healing when we've got people in our church family who are struggling with sickness right now at a great level. I mean, a life-threatening um, issues that we could talk about. But you know what? I'm going to face that fear head on with the power of the truth of the gospel. God's word doeth good like a medicine. It does. Now, that's not in the Bible, but you said amen like it was there. It, it actually says it's health to all our flesh. It's health to all our flesh. I believe in God's healing covenant today, and I'm going to help share with you why I do. It's the spirit of our fellowship to believe. And it's been our error, and then it's yet our responsibility for not teaching the principles that will create faith in the hearts of God's people to believe for God's promise to be fulfilled in their life. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I taught on this Wednesday night, and I had one that I met with on Thursday that confessed and said, I have never been taught, been in the church all her life, not in our church, been in the church all her life, but had never been taught about God's healing covenant. It's our response. You've got to know. So let's pray, and let's ask the Lord as we do so. I, I, one, one final thing to, to say, well, Pastor Brown, you don't understand the context of the situation I, I'm in. Well, stay with me. I think you'll get something out of this equally as well. But there was an individual I met with some time back, and he told me through statistics that the two things that are most petitioned to God in prayer are, number. this is not one and two, these are equally the same, finances and health, right? Finances and health. If it's a loved one of yours that's, that's sick and ailing, or if it's your own body, I'm telling you, you're calling on the name of the Lord. 
Garmin, my, my responsibility is to teach you to petition God in faith. For faith moves God. Right? So let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for a covenant today that we believe, Father, God is offered to the children of God. And may we have the faith to believe and to receive and to then walk in the promises of your word today, God of heaven. I love you and I'm grateful for the opportunity that I have to share this word in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Now we're going to look at various passages of scripture along the way. But I want to start off by making a few statements to just see if I can make this uh, a connecting point for each of us. You know, we could, we could take the time to poll even our own church family here today and give you the opportunity to give us your particular position as it relates to healing. Whether it be uh, there are various doctrinal views that we see kind of modified and, and held to uh, rather rigidly throughout the body of Christ denominationally. There are different viewpoints. There's those that don't believe at all. There are those even that believe in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ shed for the remission of sins who believe that God was a healer but is not a healer. So that may be somebody under the sound of my voice today. We're going to move beyond. Then there are those that believe in healing um, that it's possible, it's possible, but it's more hope than faith. Often associated with healing in that context are these cop-out words, and I say this very respectfully, if it be thy will. We often use that as a place to revert back to. If we don't begin to receive the things that we hope for, then we can kind of hide it under that context, if it be thy will. Those are fair words to pray, if it be thy will in certain situations. However, we're supposed to know the will of God in certain areas concerning covenant benefits. I'm going to stretch out and say, I believe we're to know, to pray. Then there are those that believe that it is the will of God to heal, but we, might, yes, we yet must still believe for that healing, but we do believe. Now, the Assemblies of God is a rich fellowship of believers with a long history of belief in the healing covenant of God. The Assemblies of God was formed in 1914, as you know, right here in the great state of Arkansas and Hot Springs. Since that time, and they just convened the General Council. Since that time, the Assemblies of God has grown to over 70 million adherents worldwide, making it by far the world's largest Pentecostal organization. So as you know, when I say, Joe, any of these other pastors say you're a part of something much larger than yourselves, then that's absolutely the truth. Now, historically, deeply woven into the doctrinal fabric of the Assemblies of God was a belief in divine healing. If you study the Assemblies of God's 16 fundamental truths, you'll find that number 12 is listed as divine healing. And it is stated explicitly in that doctrinal statement that it is the privilege, that healing, notice these words, it is the privilege of all believers. For it is the belief in the Assemblies of God that healing is provided for the believer through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I won't even get to fully develop that thought with us today. We'll be dialoguing this a little bit a li on Wednesday nights, a little bit farther. In essence, let me just clarify very quickly. It is our belief that if we petition God 
for healing in our lives. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't. listen, if your family is sick, you're going to petition God. The key is, is, but what basis are you making that petition upon? It's our belief that when Jesus Christ died, spread his arms on the cross of Calvary, that the blood that flowed down that cross was not just for our spiritual healing, was not just for our emotional healing, but it was also for our physical healing. That's our belief. We validate it doctrinally along the way. And so that's the privilege. It is the privilege as it's stated in the fundamental truths of the assemblies of God. That's the stated doctrinal statement. It is the privilege of all believers. I want to share with you today just real quickly uh, some things that, uh, that, that move me and stir me personally in my journey of studying the Word of God. He said, Pastor, do you see everybody healed when you pray for it? No, I have not. Absolutely not. And I'm grieved that we're not seeing more. And I'm not grieved because I don't want a healing to be a statistic that might be flashed on the screen or put in a Facebook post somewhere. I'm at the place in my life, I'm grieved because I'm, I don't want to see God's people suffer at the degree and to the degree that we have watched and we have witnessed with our own eyes God's people suffer. And I want to pray for a spirit of faith to rise up in our generation. Our forefathers had it, but the present state of the assemblies of God today does not possess the faith that our forefathers possessed. That's the reality. I'm going to call it like it is. Now, I'm not looking back to create a comparison. I'm only looking back to gain inspiration. I'm looking back to say, my God, is God changed? He's not changed. If our position is not changed, then we need to put ourselves in a place to receive of the promises of God. I believe God is glorified when sick people are made whole. Come on now. I believe that in Jesus' name. I believe God is glorified when sick people are made whole. I was studying recently as a part of our purple book for Wednesday nights about faith. And I, and I stumbled across something that the reformers believed were three things critical to a person being justified by faith. And remember, the Reformation was created for the, uh, for the propagation of the gospel by faith. It was a hidden truth lost in the, the uh, confines of Catholicism for 1,500 years, only to be discovered by Martin Luther and the other reformers that justification occurred by faith. There were some principles that they noticed and they wrote down that these same principles apply to us as we, we seek to stimulate faith in our heart to believe for a covenant promise. And that's what I hope happens in your heart and life today. But it was a notia. These were written in Latin originally, which means a notion. It means you've got to know something. So if this doctrine is here, we've got to discover it. You've got to be taught. How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel. How shall they hear, Paul said, without a preacher? Somebody's got to tell you. It's my responsibility as a pastor to tell you what I believe. Number two is an ascensus, which means assent. And it means it's possible to know something and not believe it. So I can give you the information, and it's possible for you to know but not necessarily believe. But we've got to believe, in my personal opinion, is we must believe that this is true. That not only should we know it, but we believe it to be the truth of God. And then there's fiducia, which is fidelity, which is trust. And so you've got to have more than the knowledge and a belief. Rather, you've got to trust God. You've got to know how to trust God. It's one thing to have a, have a particular principle that's been given to you, but if you don't know how to use it, if you have the knowledge of something, but you don't have the practical 
understanding and, and, and the ability to be able to apply it into your life, then what good is it going to do? So we've got to put ourselves in a position to, to gather these things. So I titled today's message, Here why I believe, Here's Why I Believe That We Have a Healing Covenant with God Through Christ. And I want to tell, share with you very quickly, start, there's seven points along this journey. I hope I can finish them today. I don't think I'll preach a long time along this, each particular preaching point. But if I don't, I hope well, I'll finish it next Sunday. But today, number one is the Old Covenant Promise Healing. That's where I start at, the Old Covenant. We shared this on Wednesday night, but in Exodus 15 and 26, and as well as Exodus 23 and 25, and these scriptures will be flashed on the screen, but here's a compound. Susan Fox asked me about one of the compound names of God today. This is the, one of the compound names of God. If you were looked that up in the original language, it would say Yahweh or Rapha. I am the Lord Yahweh, Jehovah in many translations, that healeth thee. God said, that's who I am. He didn't say, that's what I'll do. That's who I am. Did, you, did y'all catch that? Maybe one of you did. It's not that this is something God chooses to do. This is who he is. This is his divine nature. He is Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals. And he made a covenant with Israel, and he promised Israel, the ancient people of God, that if they would follow the principles of the Mosaic law and adhere to the teachings of the law, God said, I'll snatch sickness right away from you. God said, I'll literally take it out of your very midst. What a promise from God. You say, Pastor, did they ever see any fulfillment of that? Well, you know, one of the things when we share communion tonight, it's our belief that part of the communion stimulus is created from the exodus, the night of the Passover. When we know, we say, Pastor, I know they put the blood on the lintel or the doorpost. And the, the Bible says that when the death angel passed, that he saw the blood and he passed over them. And we teach people about salvation and we understand and thank God for that. But the Bible also says they ate the flesh of the lamb. And when they ate the flesh of the lamb, men and women got up and began a journey by foot over rugged terrain. And here's what the psalmist said later when he looked back on that moment prophetically. It took the Spirit of God to reveal this to him. It says that there was not one feeble one among all their tribes. No, so what that means to us, it is our belief that the moment that grandma, because you know, families gathered in their houses behind the lintel and the doorpost that was covered by the blood. And they had a dinner of bitter herbs, but they also had lamb roasted in the fire. And when they took a bite of the lamb, it's our belief that arthritic limbs popped out whole. Come on, somebody. Deaf ears popped open. Come on, people were bowed over back, suddenly stood up, erect in the name of the Lord, ready to gather their belongings because God was going to take them out of, out of Egypt by, by a sudden wave of the power of this Holy Spirit. My God, I say, if not one feeble one was among them, come on, let's trust God. Let's stretch ourselves. Let's stretch ourselves to believe the Lord. And I thank God, and there's a psalm Though, in Psalm 103, and I highlighted it briefly on Wednesday night. I'm not going to take the time to go into it line upon line, but it's Psalm 103, and they'll put it on the screen, but it says, bless the Lord. I love to bless the Lord. God is good all the time, isn't he? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Every bit of every bit of fiber on the inside of you ought to be screaming out to bless the name of God. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. I will not forget any of his benefits. 
I'm not going to forget what he promised. I mean, you know what a benefit is. I guarantee you if you are an employee, you know what a benefit is. A benefit is something that the employer has promised. This is something God has promised. David, the sweet psalmist who penned this psalm, said, he, I will not forget any of his benefits, for he has forgiven all my iniquities. Come on, I want to say this to you today. I can say with a clear conscience that through the power of the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, all my sins are forgiven. They're covered by the blood. And then the psalmist said, not only did he forgive all my iniquities, you read it, it's on the screen in front of you, but he, but he healeth all my diseases. So when we petition God in faith, we have a stimulus. When we confess audibly the word of God, God, you have forgiven me of all my iniquities. You have healed all my diseases. If we were to read that further, he said you would crown our lives with loving kindness and tender mercies. And then he went on to say he would renew our strength like the eagles. Come on, he would renew us like the eagles, renew our youth like the eagles. So thank God for it in the name of Jesus. So I believe, number one, that we have a covenant that began first with an old covenant that we see in the Old Testament, and it, God was always a healer. It's not something new. Number two, quickly today, is the ministry of Jesus. You can't read the New Testament without marveling about the ministry of Jesus Christ. The healing power of the gospel that was propagated, not just through his teaching and through his preaching, but through signs and wonders. People stood in awe. They had never seen it done like that before. He exercised a dominion and authority. Demons fell and cried out and said, we know who thou art. The Bible tells us that sick people came out of the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment and virtue flowed out of them. We read about through the narrative in the word of God that Jesus' life was a display of the power of God to heal the sick. And I thank God that he's, not the, he's the same yesterday. Come on, that's what Hebrews 13 and 8 says. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to read a verse of Scripture with me, though, that will help you relate to the healing ministry of Jesus today. It's Matthew 4 and 23, and I like to put that one on the screen. I want you to read it and read it closely. It says, and Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Stop right there before we go to number 24. All manner. We'll say, Pastor, what about my ailment, my situation? Listen, God's power is greater than medical science's ability to identify disease. So there's a blanket covering right here. It didn't matter what type of ailment. It didn't matter whether they could even name what kind of ailment it was. But the Bible says that he healed all. So that means his healing power can reach to your situation, to every area of your life. And now look further in this in the 24th verse. And it says, This fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were, look at this, they were taken with many diseases, all kinds of diseases again, and notice this, and torments. That word torment is actually used in the context of torture in other places in the Word of God. How many know there are times that sickness can be so, so just destructive? It's like being chained in a, in a dungeon somewhere, whether it be you or your loved one who's bound to that sickness, and it's like they're being tormented. So they brought to Jesus people that were tormented. 
And then it says there were those that were possessed by devils. Now, it's our belief that some sicknesses can occur by natural causes. Some sickness comes as a result of Adam's transgression in the garden. By one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. But it is also our belief that some sicknesses have at the very root a devil behind it, a demon behind it, a spirit of infirmity. And the Bible says that they were possessed with devils and he healed them. But look at this, and those that were lunatic. Now this is the authorized version of the Bible, the translation from the 1600s. But let me say this, we could expand that for us today. All mental and emotional disorders could come under the power of God's healing covenant. God doesn't want you going to bed at night bound with a spirit of oppression and a spirit of depression. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. But a power. there are some of you that go to bed at night and you hide your head under your blanket because of the challenges of the day that's in front of you. But I come along to tell you there's healing power in the name of Jesus to free you from all oppression. Every mental anguish and distress. That's why it's our belief that the Roman soldiers took a crown of thorns and pierced his brow and dug it deep because there on the cross of Calvary his mind and brow was pierced so that his blood would flow so that you and I could petition him for healing in our mental. Come on now, church family. I know you may be sitting there quiet because you're saying, I'm just wait- I've been waiting my whole life for somebody to tell me that I didn't have to live this way, that there's healing in God. I'm challenging every fear within myself. I'm challenging every apprehension. It's easy to not come up here and preach in the context of the positive faith because we have seen so little expression of healing power. The reason why we don't preach about it is because we're not getting the results that we hope for. So it's easy for us to deviate to something else. But how are we preaching the full counsel of God if we don't include God's healing covenant? Number three today, Jesus, this is why I believe that we have a healing covenant with God. Jesus was not the only healer in the Word of God. But even while he was ministering, there were times that he gave his disciples, called disciples in the Gospels, power. And he sent them into the communities. The way we sent a missions team to, to, to Arizona, Jesus sent his disciples. And the Bible says he gave them power against all unclean spirits. And the Bible says, this is in Mark's gospel, chapter number uh, 6, verses 12 and 13. One time when they came back, they were rejoicing because they anointed with oil. Many that were sick laid hands on them and healed them, and they cast out many devils. So God's power can be transferred to other people other than just Jesus himself. Let's go one further to tag team with this. Part of the Great Commission in making disciples of all nations. Mark's gospel said this, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my, notice this, and these signs. Is it your responsibility and my responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature, absolutely. Whether it be on a, re- a reservation in uh, Arizona, whether it be in a missionary that was sent to Africa, or if it's right here, 
in north central Arkansas. These signs shall follow who? Them that believe. If we don't believe, then we'll not see. But if we believe, then we have the potential to see the very things that were mentioned in Jesus' exhortation through the, through the uh, Gospel of Mark. He said these signs will follow. They'll cast out devils. Come on now. They'll see miraculous protection. And that narrative closes. And they shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Let me tell you what I know about sickness. There's not a person under the sound of my voice that likes to be sick. If you are, then you fall under that lunatic category. Right? Listen, when I'm sick, I tell you, I become the most compassionate person in the world. Because I think, dear God, if there are people like this around the world feeling as bad as I do right now, I have compassion on them. And so, church, nobody wants to be sick. Nobody likes to be sick. We've got to challenge ourselves to say, wait a minute, we serve a God who's greater than my sickness. Greater than this infirm, greater than, you say, well, Pastor Brown, this is by, you know, the, the doctors have told me that this is uh, by inheritance, that my grandma had it, and my, my, my mom and dad had it, and now it's in, and it's in my family. Well, that may be the case. Then we, come on, then let's break that curse by faith. Rise up in the authority and the power of God in the name of Jesus Christ, and break that curse through the power of the Holy Spirit, and trust God for a new day in your family. Let's trust God. Let's challenge ourselves to believe. Number four, Paul said, the, are y'all out there today? Y'all with me? Come on, I want to see this. I don't want to just read it. I have a book in my office that I discovered. I told you about it some time back. It's called Signs and Wonders. When I say office, it's at my home. It was written in 1926 in the heart of the original Pentecostal outpouring around the turn of the century. It's called Signs and Wonders. Now we'd write a book today, I wonder where all the signs went. But in that generation, there was such an expectation of the promise of God. I'm tired of reading about them in ancient manuals discovered in libraries, forgotten from four generations removed from the power of God. Why can't it be us? Why can't it be? Were they any different than we are? I don't think so, other than they were challenged to believe. I think part of the failure... And this is not trying to create an awareness of the, of the breach. But I think us pastors have robbed you. I think we've robbed you because we have not confronted unbelief with sound teaching on the covenant promises of God. But you know what? We can change that. We can challenge ourselves and say, I want to know. I'm not going to forget. Listen, if you turn 65, I guarantee you won't forget anything that the United States government has promised they got, they're going to give you. Come on, you know that. You'll be up there at whatever office you have to be saying, no, wait just a minute. That's mine. This is mine. And this is this. Listen, it said these were covenant benefits. Let's glean from this. Number four, Paul said there were gifts that were set in the church. This helps us to believe. Set in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 28, Paul said God set. Notice the words. He set some in the church. How many believe, I believe apostles are still in the church. Some may not. I do. I believe there are prophets still in the church. I believe there are teachers still in the church. You're looking at one today. They're setting the, while God said, I'm going to set them in the church. As long as there's a church, an ecclesia, which means a called out group of people, then I'm going to set certain people in the church 
to function in certain divine offices so that there is unity and harmony and the body can be all that God's called it to be, right? And in this set place of ministry, these set qualifications and giftings, he said, I set miracles and the gifts of healing. I believe in the gifts of healing, don't you? The Bible tells us we're to earnestly desire you say, yeah, you want to study this out? Us Pentecostals can study out 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 with you. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul concluded his teaching on spiritual gifts by saying, desire earnestly the best gifts. So we are not a true spirit-filled fellowship if there are not pockets of us coming at various times before God in our own particular presenting ourselves to God and saying, God, I'm desiring spiritual gifts and I'm desiring the best gifts and I'm praying, God, for the manifestation of the gift of miracles, the working of miracles and the gifts of healing to be in the church. And because we note very quickly, when who was it? Somebody spoke of the woman with the issue of blood earlier today. The Bible gives the record that she said within herself, if I may touch but the hem of his garment, I'll be yet made whole. And when she touched him, she, you know, Jesus stopped. Why did he stop? Because the Bible said that virtue went out of him. And he asked all of his disciples, who touched me? Peter said, the multitude thronged thee, we all touched you. No, see, everybody, yeah, a lot of people touched him, but one touched him in faith. And when she touched him in faith, then there was a release of what? The gift that was in him. The gift of healing was in Jesus' life. See, the gift of healing can function even when we're not aware of it when it's present in the church. But the key is we've got to petition God for it and long for it to be in the church. I'm telling you, it's one of the most controversial governmental uh, discussions that are made every cycle Every two years, not just, especially during the presidential, it's health care. Health care. Health care. We know that. It's a major issue. It's a major issue in your life, and, all, and it's a major issue in my life. But I'm telling you, why not? Let us ask God and petition God. You know, I told you last week, and, and I said, I, I'm sad. Me and Joe are on a, 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 a text from uh, Rachel Moore's family about Mariah the Brave. I told you Wednesday night, I talked about Mariah, and I'm so proud of her and her faith and Rachel's faith. And they have to go here and there and here and there. And on one side, you can look at it and you're frustrated with the medical community, and I understand this, correct? You understand it as well anytime you've ever had to go here and there. And I'm grieved at the place in my heart and life because radiation can only go so far. Chemotherapy can only go so far. We can only sell so many pink ribbons to fight against breast cancer. But I'm talking about a God that heals all manner of sickness and disease. Let the gift of healing be active in the church is what I say. Let it be active in the church, the manifestation of the gifts of the healing of God. Number five today is we have a new covenant. I'm watching the time. Based upon what? Better promises. I'm not finishing and I'm not quitting because I'm on. They took my time, so i got to get this in. Number five, real quickly, 
real quickly, a new covenant. Now, the other one was pretty good. (laughs) When you think about that, right, think about the promises that were made. It was pretty good, but it was weak in that it was weak through the flesh, the Bible says. There was no problem with the covenant. The problem was with the people that couldn't keep the covenant. But see, I have a covenant today that's not based upon my ability to keep it. That's why it's a better covenant. Did y'all hear that? There's a theological dialogue right there. But see, you and I failed in our ability to keep. But see, that's why Jesus said it is finished. The just demands of a holy God have been met. He kept the righteous requirement of the law, died sacrificially in our stead. And so you and I have a new covenant. In Matthew 8 and 16 and 17, we dialogue just a little bit on Wednesday night, but it always bears repeating when we're speaking about the healing covenant of God under the new covenant. This is what that says, and evening was come. They brought unto him many possessed with devils, many that he cast out spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick. And look at verse number 17. Some people look at this totally different, and they say, well, then that was fulfilled. And so we don't see it, but no, it was fulfilled because it was messianic. And so it was fulfilled. He, he also absorbed my sins on the tree. The Bible says that it was fulfilled, that was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He took, he took my infirmities and he bared my sicknesses. Where? When did he take them? When were they laid upon him? They were laid upon him when the sin of Adam was put on his back because all sickness is a result of Adam's transgression in the, in the garden. Romans 5 says, by one man sin entered the world and death by sin and the sin debt of Adam was conferred upon Jesus and he carried it to the tree and that's why Peter looking back said by the stripes of Jesus you were healed it's a finished work we just must believe in the covenant promises of God number six and lastly will be seven I'll conclude number six are y'all out there today the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit say pastor why does that The indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but the power of God, the life of God, the Spirit of God resides on the inside of me right now. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, the Bible says that when we are born again, we receive not the Spirit of this world, but we receive the Spirit of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. And His Spirit joins with our spirit. And declares us to be children of God. And the Bible says that we've got the earnest. What does that mean? It's the down payment on the resurrection. The down payment on the world that's to come. But wait just a minute. Every one of us believe in a resurrection, don't we? That means when we had uh, uh, funerals like I attended this past week. I preached one and and was there with another friend and family member that lost a Uh, someone there is our long-standing held belief in the power of the resurrection correct and so we believe that every believer that's been placed in the ground and their body ashes to ashes and dust to dust that when the trumpet sounds at the final judgment day that the spirit of god it's going to bring those ashes back together if they've around the four ends or four corners of the world the spirit of god It's going to bring them together, and their uh, uh, flesh will be established, and breath will enter in. And our spirit that's in heaven will be joined to our resurrected body. The same way, you believe that, don't you? Well, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. 
And if he dwells in you, he'll quicken your mortal body. So the reason why that we can say I believe in divine healing is because the power of God's on the inside of me right now. The life of God that's on the inside of me. And God heals by the power of his Holy Spirit. Lastly, number seven. It doesn't get any simpler than this, and I'll close with this one. This is why I believe, and I made this as personal as I could. I didn't borrow this from anybody's book on healing. This is just my own personal belief of studying the Scriptures for these many long years and just asking myself, I need a basis to believe in healing. I needed to be able to have a foundation and a principle. And you say, well, Pastor, and whenever you do minister, you know there are lots of thoughts going through people's minds through people that we know and loved or even our own situations when we, when we prayed and we didn't receive or when we are still battling a disease or a sickness right now and, and then we, 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 we search for an answer, don't we? Let's just be honest. We search for a reason why that this didn't happen or that didn't happen. And we often use that as a covering, an overall covering to say, well, that maybe it's not God's will. So what I'm coming along to do today is to say, you know what, I'm not, I don't want you to base your present faith on the previous experiences of others, good or bad, right or wrong, what we would call successful or unsuccessful. I want you to have a basis of faith built upon the truth of the Word of God so that when you petition God, you petition Him based upon what He said in His Word, not what happened at church last week. Are you all out there today? Not what happened from anybody that you know or a loved one or your own. Listen, we can't go back to yesterday, but we can start fresh today, right? And I'm grieved. I want to see God's people. I'm tired of praying and not receiving things in my own life. I'm tired of praying with you and us not receiving the manifestation of the power of God. Whatever it takes, God, to right the wrong. Whatever it takes, here's the reason why I'm closing, number seven, why I believe. It's the simple instruction of James chapter number five, why I believe in God's healing uh, covenant. You say, Pastor Brown, what do you mean by that? Well, James five, you can't talk about healing in the church without talking about James five. Because it starts in James chapter number five, and it says, is any afflicted? Affliction can be all kinds. It can be through persecution. It can also be through sickness. But if you're afflicted, what do you need to do? Complain? What's it say? Is any afflicted? Come on, we do. We do complain a lot, don't we? Oh, Jesus. I could preach on that. Mm, then I'd keep you for the next six hours in repentance here at the altar. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. It's easy for us to want others to pray for us. We'll pick that up in a moment. That's powerful. It's right. It's good. But a lot of times, perhaps part of the breach is, is we don't take the time to just get alone with God and say, God, let me work this thing out. Let me call upon them. It's easy for me to sit in my frail, feeble condition and hope somebody else will come along. But the Bible says if you're afflicted, then you pray. If you're merry, sing songs. I actually combined the two, said even if I'm afflicted, let me sing a song about deliverance. Right? And then he specifically said, now note this is who this is to. It's to the church. Is there any sick among you? Is there any sick among you? And so here's a responsibility that we see in a promise that's being made. And let's just kind of dialogue with it as we, can, as we conclude. It says, let him call. 
The infirmed has a responsibility to possess faith in their own heart and life. Faith to make the initiation. Faith to take the first step. Often we've flip-flopped it and we've got it here at the church. Well, if there's anybody sick, come, we'll pray for you. The Bible says that if you're sick, you ought to be stirred enough in the structure of belief by the Word of God that you would say, I'm going to call somebody to join with me. Come on over here. Yeah, we'll go to the doctor. We'll go here. No, I'm, I'm asking you to come and pray. Call for who, the Bible says. So a display in a position of faith must be held and initiated by the infirm. For who do you call for? Somebody full of unbelief? Somebody who doesn't even believe in healing? No, you call for the elders of the church. The word elders there is presbytos. It's the same which we get presbytery. And it's where we get ministers. And anytime someone is in that context biblically, there means that they're a person that's gifted with a supernatural call and a supernatural gifting. Now, I know that Benny Hinn's not coming when you call him. But let me tell you, church family, Benny Hinn's not the only one that can be used of God. In the, in the healing ministry, call for the elders of the church. You say, Pastor Brown, you said that these signs will follow them that believe. And that can be anybody. Gifts of healing can be for anybody. But specifically in this moment, God said, I'm going to put people in your midst that are going to be distinguished by my call on their life. They're going to be elders, pastors, bishops, leaders, deacons in the church. Call for them. Call for somebody that's got the power of the name of Jesus. Come on. Brother Harl, I remember what you told the chaplain that came into Bonnie's room when Bonnie was sick in the hospital, and he wanted to pray. He said, I'm all right if you pray as long as you pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. That's what that means is I'm recognizing that if I'm going to petition God, I want to do it according to what he has spoken of in his word. Call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. It's our responsibility to then pray over them. What are we to do? We're to anoint with oil in the name of the Lord. Why do we anoint with oil in the name of the Lord? Because it represents the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. The name of the Lord Jesus is how and the, we petition God. I, time's going to fail me to develop this, but when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name, Brother Harl. We've got to pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. John 14, Jesus said, when you ask that day, He said, ask the Father in my name, and the Father will do it that he might be glorified in the Son. I'm telling you, that's how we petition God. We don't petition God based upon our righteousness or our overwhelming giftedness. We petition God based upon the virtue of the name of Jesus Christ. All authority and power has been given unto that name. It's a name that the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You and I believe it's a name above Above every name. I know that cancer can strike fear in the heart of every patient who's ever gone to the doctor with a lump in their breast or a spot on their body. And I know that it can strike fear. But let me tell you, cancer must bow its knee to the name of Jesus Christ. Let's believe God for a shift in the spirit where we are not intimidated by the diseases because there's a name. We sing about it in a moment. There's a name. That's greater. So we pray in the name of Jesus. But when we pray, what are we to pray? Put that verse up there, verse 15. We pray the prayer of faith. You say, what's the prayer of faith? The prayer of faith is we petition, we believe, and we receive. And we don't doubt in our heart. And we don't curse ourselves in unbelief. 
And we got to get a hold of our confession. And time's not going to allow me to teach you about the power of life and death. Because we'll ask people to pray for us. And when we pray for us, we'll go out and curse what we just prayed about by speaking doubt and unbelief. Oh, I feel terrible today. Oh, my God. No, I've been given this diagnosis. No, I'll tell you what. Who have believed the arm of the Lord? Who have believed the report of the Lord? Excuse me. We've got to believe what God said. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The word saved there in the original language is sozo, and it means saved, healed, and made whole. And what will the Lord do? Read it with me as I close. And the Lord shall raise him up. Raise him up. Now listen, I believe in healing instantaneous, but I also believe in healing gradually. And perhaps sometimes one of the failures that takes place in the church is we petition God, we ask, and we pray, and a process of healing perhaps has commenced And it doesn't take long before we sow so much unbelief in our lives that we lose the opportunity to walk in God's divine favor and health. So let me tell you, church family, we don't have to have instantaneous healing to be healed by faith. Does that make sense? We do not have to. Paul, you're going to let me finish real quick, okay? Let me finish, and I'll get you just a second, okay? So I want to ask you today in the name of Jesus, don't you believe today, isn't it time? Isn't it time? Isn't it time for us as a fellowship to reawaken the promises of God? Let me read this last one, then I'll take, because I know you're going to testify with something positive. It says, and the Lord shall raise him up. And then, if we have committed sins, they too shall be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So I'm going to close, and in just a moment, I'm going to let Harl lift, uh, respond real quickly because he's raised his hand. I believe he's going to testify along this line briefly today. But let me say this today. It doesn't do, it's not about what I believe. It's about what you believe. When we begin to petition God, this is what I believe. Now, you can sit back and you say, well, Pastor, are you seeing this? And every, and no, absolutely not. That's why I'm challenging myself. That's why I'm grieved. Did you, hear, did you hear what I said? Look at me real quick in closing today. Every time we come together, every time we pray for people, we have not obtained the desired results that we have longed for. There has to be more. Come on. There has to be more. We've got to challenge ourselves in a way that we have never challenged ourselves to believe, to do what to believe. Brother Hoss, what was you asking or saying? Go ahead. Right.
Yes. Wow. Amen. Right. Yes. Yes, he does. Y'all stand up with this church family today. And I know I've kept you a long, long time. My objective here today is to create a new basis of belief in the assemblies of God, in our own heart and midst and fellowship. And to create a stimulus of belief. I want to tell a story real quickly as I close this message. Uh, I was remember when I think about the contrast of the, the assemblies of God, and this, see, the covenant healing doesn't belong to the assemblies of God. The covenant of healing belongs to the children of God. Did you hear that? The children of God. But when I was first uh, being interviewed to go through the licensing process, there, there was a minister there by the name of Don Brankle. Don Brankel was an old, old line AG minister, came up in the Assemblies of God and uh, pastored his first church when he was 15 years old. 15. Said he specialized in marriage counseling. <laughs> what he said. Said he had two points for the marriage couples. He said, pray through and use Listerine. <laughs> That's what he said. I kid you not. I heard it out of his own mouth. But that generation, the reason why by the time he was 15, he was pastoring a church, because he was seven years old when his brother was dying of tuberculosis. Tuberculosis killed a lot of people back in the 30s, in that time period there. And his family had been attending the Assembly of God Church, and they called for the Assembly of God minister to come over. And he said he was seven years old, and he was scared to death because it was the final moments of his brother's life. And he hid under the kitchen table. He said, but they began to pray and call upon the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. And the power of God was present right there in their, in their little living room in a very impoverished community. And the power of God raised his brother up off of that bed. And he was miraculously healed of tuberculosis. And that marked the family. And so it was deeply written. We, I wrote it this way in my notes. We've we got our personal theology, but we need greater personal testimony. We've got to see it in our midst. It's got to come out of the annals of history, and it's got to come into our time. In closing today, I want to ask you to just pray with me. Let's just pray right now for a new generation of covenant faith. Come on, let's just take a moment to pray right now. That was my objective today. I'm not trying to be the evangelist. I'm not trying to do any of those things. I'm just simply praying for a new generation of faith. People have already had to leave. I've, I understand. I've kept you a long time. I know that. But God of heaven, may we repent of our unbelief. May we repent, Father God, of our, uh, of our lack of seeing. And we can attribute this to so many things. But may we arrive at a new generation, a new arise. God, let faith arise in our hearts. God, gifted by the Holy Spirit. Grant it to us to believe. God, grant it to us to believe. God, the, some said it. I heard Shane in the microphone when Joe was praying earlier. He said, Lord, help my 
in the words of the man whose son was possessed by a demon. He said, Lord, help my unbelief. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Father, help all of us today. God, because I know the healing is not necessarily confined to the, to the end of a service. It shouldn't be bound to just those that come forward at that moment of time. But God, the system and the structure should be that, Father God, that we're able to call for the elders of the church. and In our own homes, God, and, and in situations where we can begin to see. And God, every one of us have suffered loss. Every one of us have had ailments, sickness, and diseases. And that we haven't gotten the results that we have longed for. But let us never allow that to be our basis of faith. But let our basis of faith be explicitly the Word of God. That we can say that you are Jehovah Rapha, you're the Lord who heals. That we can say with the clarity today, I will bless the Lord. Who will bless the Lord with me right now? In your own soul, you will say, God, I will bless you with all that is within me. Because you have forgiven all my sins and you have healed all my diseases today, God. Lord, I pray over my church family today that when they walk out of this room today, God, that they'll be like the children of Israel of old. There won't be one feeble one among us, God. Father, in the name of Jesus, let arthritis, Father, and diabetes and middle illnesses and cancers, God, let all these things begin to crumble at the authority and the power of the name of Jesus being exercised in authority by a believer in Christ. We will not forget any of your benefits today, God. Lord, I pray and I ask my church family as I dismiss them today, Father God, this is not a sermon, Father God, designed for just a one-time moment of people coming forward so we can pray fresh again. No, that's not what this is designed to do. It's designed to reawaken a basis of faith in each one of us to believe. God, we want to declare that Jesus is our healer today. He is our covenant of health. Come on, isn't he? I still believe there's healing in his wings today. In the name of the Lord. I want to ask you, I just feel that we've already done this one time, but slip your hand up right now. If you say, Pastor, I have sickness in my body right now, raise your hand up, and then the people that are around you, look and put your hand on their shoulder right now. Right now, put your hand on the shoulder right now in Jesus' name. God, we're going to pray for a spirit of faith. Come on, we're going to pray for a spirit of faith to begin to rise up in the heart and life of every believer. A spirit of faith, God, that will shake off sickness and shake off disease. Shake off, Father God, in the name of Jesus, infirmity and malady, God. Shake it off, God. We pray against every sickness and every disease that, Father God, has caused our bodies to be hurting and wounded and sore and torments. And, Father God, in pain and sorrow, medical procedures have failed and medical procedures were limited. But, God, we call upon a God that's unlimited today. Father, who's shown himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals today, God. Father, I pray for testimonies to begin to emerge in the church like they did once in days gone by. Father God, of our lives being so radically transformed by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, God, that, Father God, people will be led to Christ because they've witnessed the healing manifestations in our lives, God. That's what our prayer is. Father, in the name of Jesus. So as we've laid hands on our brothers and sisters in Christ today, God, we speak life. We speak health. We speak wholeness. Father, let each person that's been sick and infirmed 
be made whole, Father, in the name of Jesus, in every area of our lives. And we bless one another. Your word says pray one for the other that we may be healed. And that's what we've done in this room today, God. We love you. Thank you for this sacred time in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.